It's the doc and the deacon, stethoscope and hope, talking everything from poop to the pope. One believing in spiritual miracles, the other believes in movement bowels that are irritable. Two dads, more like two brothers, and they breaking bread like the Last Supper. This show won't get negative feedback, that be like the deacon prescribing a Z-Pack. So don't get it twisted like a Philly pretzel, Foles already told y'all that Philly special. Take notes from the knowledge they're teaching, pay attention, it's the doc and the deacon speaking. Welcome to Doc and the Deacon, a podcast about two dads, one of us believing in the power of science, one of us believing in the power of Jesus, well, both of us believing in the power of an ice cold beer. <sighs> I, I do love a, a, a good IPA when I'm, when I'm watching TV, you know, sitting down, kind of uh, decompressing after a long day. I know you have some long days, but I did, I, I'm excited. You told me you started watching one of these shows that I put you on. Uh, the Righteous Gemstones. Yeah, I started watching it because you continued to tell me I needed to watch it. But then it also perfectly matched up with today's episode. Oh, what's today's episode? <laughs> this guy right here. the <laughs> Today's episode is Mega Churches. Mega Church. I don't go to a regular church. I go to a Mega Church. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Deacon, can you say it that way when, when we go through? Do you go to a regular church? I go, go to a, a Mega Church. A Mega Church. Yes. A mega church is any church that has at least over 2,000 people for average weekend attendance. Right. Do you feel like the church that you're at right now, they probably have more than 2,000 people? No, no, no. It's, it's probably closer to that twelve to 1,400. Really? Yeah. It's borderline mega church. Like It's borderline mega church. It's yeah, big for this yeah. area. But, you know, there are bigger churches in this area. There are where? Yeah, like if you are not in, in this area in general. But, yeah, I, 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 Valley View's... Um, the movie church is probably close. Um, uh, I don't know. You have like, there's like Christ big church speakers of the Valley. there. There's like advertisements. You know, this isn't just a word of mouth. There's like a whole marketing team. Well, you know, it's, it's almost a mega church. A mega church. I think church has become like the gym. <laughs> how so? Right. I think, oh, oh, I know how. I think you, you can, sign up that you say, I'm going to go there and you give them money, but you don't show up. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I mean, think about it. You know, with uh, think about Gold's Gym, your gym experience. I want to be seen. Right? I you want just, to look religious at the mega church. Well, at, the, at Gold's Gym, you went in, you did your thing, right? There was no, uh, there were no group classes. There was no <laughs> fitness classes at Gold's Gym. They had weights set up, and you were supposed to come in, kind of, if you knew what you are doing, or get with a personal trainer. I picked things up and put them down. And that's kind of... The church I grew up going to, you know, there was a, you know, it was a building and there were, there was all the stuff, right? There was Bible study classes and, and songs that we sang to, you know, start the day and a message given by a pastor, but you know, Jim's, Jim's transformed, right? You came and people said, you know, the whole scene, they have like a smoothie stand. Well, and, and it was, what do we need to do to motivate people and make them continue to be engaged and want to lose weight and want to feel better about themselves. And, and at the end of the day, does it matter if they actually lose weight or if they just continue to feel like they're feeling better about themselves, right? And so it became, a, a, you know, you had to create an environment, you know? So it was, you know, well, if they could do it with other people who were just like them, you know, and it wasn't just, you know, uh, someone waiting for the machine that this huge jack dude is on that you feel, you know, um, 
you know, uncomfortable waiting and, you know, feel like I'm never, I don't look like that dude. Why am I using his machine? And, and in many ways, the old church was like that, right? You'd come in and they had all these really, really great church goers <laughs> and you'd sit back and say, you know, they were over there and they looked the part, they, they sounded the part, they knew what they were doing. Their kids were better behaved than uh, your kids. Yeah, they were all in the choir. They, you know, it was a whole scene, right? And then now church has evolved. You know, the first time um, I wore jeans to church, my parents were very, very confused. Wow. Why would you do that? Why? <laughs> you know, how can you hear God's word in jeans? Um, were they tight jeans? Were they keeping your junk so tight that you couldn't hear anything? <laughs> well, you know, now you see these guys on stage, right? They got, they got the tight jeans. They got man buns and, and hair. And, and it is an experience, though. And, and you, you look and... So we can agree, the most handsome mega church pastor is Carl Lentz. Stephen Furtick would probably have a hard time agreeing with that. But. Okay. So if you haven't heard of Carl Lentz, you need to go to, uh, I think it's Netflix, and watch the documentary, The Secrets at Hillsong. Yep. Hillsong is not the first megachurch ever. The no. first megachurch ever was 1861. It was an evangelical megachurch called the Metropolitan Tabernacle in uh, London, 1861. Megachurch specifically is a Protestant term. For whatever reason, megachurch refers to Protestant-type churches. And then Hillsong, uh, which is a church that got famous for its pastors and many other reasons, started in 1983 in Sydney, Australia, from this guy, Houston. And then they found this young pastor named Carl Lentz, and he became a sensation. He especially became a sensation when one day— Well, Carl Lentz— the Houstons, you had both. You had father and son, right? Yes, yes. And, and he did some stuff with the son and, and, and became close to the dad. And, and they wanted to Americanize this church. Yes. And one day, Justin Bieber says, I want to be baptized. And he was friends with Carl Lentz. And so he needed a place to baptize him. And so he called like a famous NBA player who had a huge tub. And he baptized uh, Justin Bieber. And this is how he started to get uber famous. And then the music of Hillsong became quite the thing. It became a show. These mega churches all had to have like a laser light show. It was like the Christian fame. You didn't go to hear the word of God. You went also to be entertained. And so no longer is it just hearing the word of the God. It's how can I become a better Christian while being entertained? Well, I think there, is a, there can be a consumer mentality. But I think I don't necessarily agree that it's how can I be entertained. I think it's, I think it's much like the gym experience. I think it's putting out a product that makes people feel engaged and leave feeling better than when they come in. You know, so for instance, Orange Theory. You know, a, a couple of things we talk about are... Um, creating an experience through music and giving people the ability to see their results by wearing heart rate monitors and, and being coached and feeling like it's a personal training session without feeling like they're being held accountable in such a way that they're alone. And church did the same thing. They said, hey, how can we, what if we, what if we lower the lights? I mean, look, bars and restaurants did this long before the church ever did. 
right? Bars and restaurants said, hey, we want people to come back and want to eat here. And it's not enough to just have great food. You've got to have great service. You've got to have an atmosphere. You've got to create something that people want to be a part of. That's the reason I ate lunch at the cage recently. That's right. It's very cool looking. It is so cool. So so church said, hey, how can we rebrand? And... And it did require some, so you had these Hillsong, you got Bethel, you got Elevation Church. You've got some of these uh, churches that have worship teams that are, have musicians that are world-renowned musicians. You know, you used to have, um, uh, 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 what's his name? Um, Michael W. Smith. Right, so Michael W. Smith. I was going to go Kirk Franklin. All right, Kirk Franklin. Creed. <laughs> King and Country. Kirk Frank of King and Country. Kirk Franklin uh, has written some amazing songs. Um, you know, Michael W. Smith wrote a lot. Um, uh, Curtis Chapman, uh, you know, wrote, wrote a lot of these songs for for worship um, that people would sing every day. Right. King and, and Country. It costs between seventy and ninety thousand dollars. To have them come perform at your church on a Sunday. That's crazy. That's a lot of tithing. That's a lot of tithing. Yeah. But it's a cool experience. It is a cool experience. Yes, yes. And you want to be entertained. Well, it's, it, you want to feel moved. Are these pastors... So there's a difference between inter- being entertained and feeling moved. Are these pastors genuine or are they performers? I mean, is this a genuine thing or are you a performer? Do you have to somewhat... And the times where I've gone to watch you preach, are you preaching from the heart or is it part using the Bible and a performance, a Bible performance, a performance of the Bible? Well, I think like anyone who's, you, you got to remember, uh, so, so I grew up back when the church, you know, when people used to sell Bibles on street corners and, and you know, if you look at what the, um, the Jehovah's Witnesses do going around trying to knock on doors and get people to buy into um, the idea because you, you, you believe that you're saving people's lives from eternal damnation. There's so, a Jehovah's Witness that I take care of. Yeah. And she's set up near uh, where I drive home from work. Yeah. And I pull up and she will often say, are you ready to hear the word of the Lord? And I go, how were your sugars this morning? And she <laughs>, laughs and we wave at each other and then we move on our separate ways. That's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luckily, she's not anemic because she doesn't want blood. Uh, but I think... <laughs> I think there's, a, there's definitely an art to sharing the word of God in a way that is personal and engages people and gets them to take action. Right, because what's important is that you connect in a way that someone understands that they want to they want to turn from whatever it is that they're doing and move in a different direction. So, how can you do that? Well, I was thinking, you know, who would make the best mega church mega church pastor ever? John Goodman. No, you. Oh no, John Goodman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I have this thought. Okay, that. To be a pastor at a megachurch. Yeah. All you do is say some motivational speaking. And then at the end you say like, for God or amen and hallelujah. So this is what we're going to do. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to say, 
that I'm having a, a long day and okay. I've got um, six more patients to see. Yeah. I'm way behind. Yeah. I've got all these messages. Yeah. I want to get home. I want to see my family. That's right. I've been working on reading with my daughter. I need to get home before she's asleep. Yeah. And so what I want you to do is really try to motivate me, but then pause after each line. And I'm going to turn it into a mega church, a mega church gospel. Because I think the deacon would be the best, like, Ultra pastor ever. Get out of here, Carl Lentz, even though when we find out, you know, they made him get out of there. But uh, um, so let's hear it. You ready? Uh, Deacon, I've, I'm just, I can't go, I can't go on. It's been, it's been too hard a day and just too many, too many issues. Uh, uh, Doc, you've already come so far. You only have a little bit left to take you to the end of the day. All that you've been doing and all you've been working towards is just in front of you. And then you'll find heaven at the end of your life. You have a family that you've invested in that's waiting on you. And right now, the things that you're doing are showing them your commitment to finish strong. Because you have sacrificed your day like Jesus sacrificed his body for salvation. Hey, look, amen. You might, you might be good at this, right? Ha! Holla! Come on, Doc. Hey, listen, I perform all day. That's right. Right? You come in. And your toe hurts, and I act like it's the most important thing that's ever happened. I'm like, oh my gosh, your toe hurts, and you walk oh, to that elevator that. every day. Oh my gosh, that's 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 the worst ingrown tone that I've ever seen. That must be difficult making it through your day. I hope there are others that are understanding the pain you're going through because right. I, I care about you. Amen. I'm going to make sure that toe gets done, dude. See, right? you would be hey, good at this. Hey, put a little bit of ointment on this, and amen. The devil will leave your feet, and all you got to do is give 100 to $200 every Sunday at the mega church. See, <laughs> well, you know, what you have to do is be able to find yourself in, in others. But I need a laser light show because they all have laser light shows. And then I need somebody coming out with long hair and a guitar. But ooh, I already have the long hair. Maybe I just need a guitar. I can be the mega church doctor. You could be the yeah. mega church yeah, doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here are my questions and my issues with mega church. So are okay. you ready for them? All right, I'm ready for them. Should the books of a church be open for all to see? Uh, absolutely. Oftentimes, some of these most famous pastors drive Bentleys, yeah. have yachts. Is that appropriate? So I, I think um, when you have a church that is able to, to be prosperous enough to afford a lifestyle for a pastor that exceeds, you know, what, what some of the richest people in the country um, I'm okay with a boat. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, it's different. And I would agree with you. I, I don't know that I could ever uh, see myself being a successful pastor and, and living in that way, right? Based off living uh, off of... You would definitely join the nicest golf course. I would around. definitely join a wonderful you, you, golf course you, because... You would, you would well, have But the to best. spread the word of the Lord because <laughs> if you can... Because listen, if I'm going to tell you that God is good and God is great and he is going to provide for you no matter what situation, it's best to do that in an environment that has really manicured yeah, greens. Yeah, yeah. What's going to happen? The only thing you're going to baptize is a few titleists as you don't get all the way to the green <laughs> in, the, in, the, in, the, in the pond on the way. That's what you would be baptizing. Uh, next, should pastors be celebrities? You know, that's tough. I can tell you that as a no one, right, just as a dude who's been on stage a few times and written a few things. It, it's easy to get, um, you know, God talks about pride. The Bible talks about it often. Um, 
I don't, it's, it is what it is, right? They're going to become, because when you change people's lives, they are indebted to you in ways that are, uh, and it's not you, it's God changing their lives. But ultimately, for people just pull it back and they, they, they associate that just like for you. I've been places with you where as a physician, you're treated like a celebrity, right? Because you've, you've done something for someone, you've changed their life, you've made a difference, right? I, had, I remember a story once, the, in fact, the first time I ever met you, I don't know if we've told this story on air yet, the first time I met you, uh, a, a person came to you and said, I want you to know, in fact, no, they came to your wife. Well, I was talking to her and said, I want you to know your husband saved my life. And your wife said, oh my goodness, that's amazing. What did he do? And she said, I had a wedding to go to and I was on this antibiotic and your husband made sure that I had an antibiotic that, I, that would still work with, uh, with, with me consuming alcohol. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. <laughs> I knew you could dance to every song of that wedding. That's with right. With amoxicillin. Woo! And vodka flowing through your blood. <laughs> so, you know, so you tell me, can a doctor be a celebrity? Maybe. I think there's only one celebrity doctor. I mean, maybe two. No, there's plenty. Dr. Phil doesn't count. Not a real doctor. Yeah, but then you got your, your buddy uh, who ran for office, right? You get the ones that go on Oprah, the ones that... Show, oh, yeah, you yeah. Know, the you doctors. Get, yeah, yeah, sure, get, sure. So yes. you, you get some fame. You got Dr. Pimple Popper. If you go on TikTok, oh, Popper, yeah. you know, you got that hot dentist. Um, you know, like, so there's lots of famous doctors. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I question, if Doc and the Deacon went big, would I leave it all for the fame? Yeah, I don't, I, yeah. Yeah, of course. We'd I mean. go baptize yeah, some Titleist. Yeah, heck yeah, yeah. Come on, Justin Bieber. Here's your flu <laughs> shot. I like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love the way that Carl Lenz baptized him. I'll be like... This is uh, Dr. Drum giving you your flu shot. Here you go. You're good to go. Well, and then, he, oh yeah, I was going to say, and then we get up and look in the mirror, but that's Justin Timberlake. I get, I get Justin Bieber and Justin Timberlake a little confused. Yeah, well, they're both good singers. Uh, the prosperity gospel. Yeah. God rewards faith with material success. If you pray hard enough, if you pay enough, you will likely get success. And that is a lot of the preaching at some of these megachurches. Well, I think, don't, don't confuse like Joel Osteen with what you hear from, you know, if you, if you go listen to, so my favorite megachurch pastor right now who I, I listen to often is Stephen Furtick from Elevation, right? So if you go listen to Stephen Furtick, it's not about prosperity gospel. It's about, it's about digging deep. It's about understanding and, and laying uh, groundwork and doing things, not so that you'll prosper, but so you'll just survive, so you can get through and, 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 and lean into and live in the hope that God will continue to provide. Because one, one of the first names they give him is, is Jehovah Jireh, the provider, right? So um, we, we believe that he'll provide. That provision is different in every scenario. Um, you know, and it, I, so I, no, I don't think prosperity gospel is. If you is believe enough, if you pray enough, God will bring you what you need, but that may not be what happens in your life. If you just pray enough, if you buy in enough, if you worship the Lord enough, 
the the world is going to be a better place for you. You are going to be paid back in excess for your belief. But you may actually get sick. Well, you know, excess, something bad may happen. Excess is different. So excess, the wealth. I'm playing the role of a pastor. I understand, in a mega church. But, but the wealth is measured differently. It's not always measured in material wealth. It's measured in so. That's so a perfect you, transition. You ready for our first game? So you get sick, and and if you believe and you have faith and you pray, it doesn't mean you're going to be cured, not necessarily. But what about how you get through it? What about how it impacts your children? What about how they learn to to deal with distress and 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 challenges and setbacks? What about how they learn to have faith in something bigger than themselves? What about that they learn that that there isn't nothing is perfect that even medicine can fail well i think that's a great point i think that specifically that when you're going through hard times having faith and uh, having the lord as something that helps you do it i love that part yeah yeah and that's where i have concerns with the mega church but with religion and those positives that it brings i think those are amazing i think when done correctly it can be super amazing for people and, and bring joy and happiness and a feeling of a connection and attachment. And I love that, right? So if we had more focus on that, I'd be all in. Yeah, and it's, but, it's, but does that sell books? No, no. So, right? does, that, does that make documentaries? It you know, not. and because because well, not only do you have the Hillsong stuff, right? You got the Mars Hill stuff. You got um, Mark Driscoll. You got Mark Driscoll. You got you got Fallen. You got uh, you, you know uh, you remember Jim and Tammy Faye Baker from back in the Dizay, right? I mean, we've had church after church after church after church that has fallen and had issues. When you go back to it, the common denominator is they're not perfect. Yeah, you know they they serve a perfect God, but I mean, you remember Jim and Tammy Faye? They had I, a whole. I, I don't, but oh man, they had a whole. Uh, you know, they had a, a, a places you could stay. It was basically what's the what's the thing on the gems? Oh, you haven't gotten to the to the oasis on oh. the in the gemstones. Yet. It sounds like little silly Billy and his uh, his sister. Yeah, Uncle yeah. Uh, Baby Billy. Baby Billy and his Uncle sister. Baby and Billy. They, yeah, yeah. So there are Christian conferences yeah. through the mega churches, and these are places where you go on your book tour. So they already have kind of these areas set up, and the different musicians are all set, and it's all rooted in the mega churches. And these bands have regular. Um, normal recording labels, but mm-hmm. then they get attached to these Christian labels. But they're basically secular music that puts a Jesus spin. That's right. And then through these different conferences, all these mega churches are connected. So if you write a book, you go on the church tour. To go to some of these conferences, they're quite expensive. Yeah. Right? I mean, it is quite the thing. And financially, our first game is going to be, I'm going to name three pastors. Okay. And you are going to guess who is the richest to least riches. Or we'll go, yeah, richest to least riches. So Pat Robertson, Kenneth Copeland, and Joel Austin. Um, I'm going to say Pat Robertson's the richest. Then it would go Joel Osteen and then... Uh, Kenneth Copeland Kenneth is the last one. So Kenneth Copeland is the richest. Oh. And he is worth $300 million. And number two, Joel Osteen worth $110 million. 
Wow. And he has one of the biggest mega churches uh, down in uh, Texas. I believe it's near Houston called Lakeview or something like that. Number three is Pat Robertson worth $100 million. Okay. So we have issues with mega churches, but you know what I got to tell you? What's that? I work for a mega health system. A mega health system. Yeah. There was a hospital system that bought another hospital system and then bought an, the hospital system I work for. And now there is, you know, a boss of the north. There is a boss of the south. I mean, there are like 10, 12 hospitals all owned by the same thing. And, you know, I was thinking there's the same issues with this as there is with mega churches. What's that? Oh, at this point, the person answering the phone isn't always in my office, doesn't always even know me. Yeah. There's so many people in middle management sending emails. Some of these emails, I don't know what's important. I don't know who some of these people are. I know who my boss is and such, but really, some of the people in charge haven't even met some of the providers. I do want to point out my boss recently came to the office to try to meet everyone, Um, but it is an interesting world that we live in. It is an interesting world with some of these mega health systems, mega health. Some of the pros are, you know, listen, I don't have to hire and fire people. We have, you know, uh, never enough staff, but we have staff. There's an ID department. There's every specialty possible. The hospital I work for, they just put in a helipad so that they can helicopter people down to other places if needed. But the same thing as a mega church. You know, it loses a little bit of that connection because some of these pastors, like Carl Lentz, who ended up losing his job for infidelity and ended up almost taking down all of Hillsong, and the founder, who had uh, very significant issues and was accused of child molestation, yeah, I mean, and really tried to bring down this mega church, as we've talked about before. The problem is whether or not you're a doctor, whether or not you are a pastor. Uh, you're just a person. Well, and if you and look, people make, make mistakes. And if you look, uh, so so uh, when I first moved to to this area, you know, our church did not have a building. We met in a middle school, and so we spent you know hours every day setting up and tearing down for service. Right. So we were we would set up a, a sound. We'd set up the band. You know, we'd I set used up to go there to see you as That's well. Right. I came to support there, and it required a lot of volunteers. Spending hours and hours and hours getting set up, and we probably had uh, 500 attenders, uh, 500 people that would attend the two services every day, uh, which was good for a church that, that took place in a middle school and had no building and all that stuff. But if you look, um, uh, you know, if you watch the documentary, one of the things people talked about was um, that you know Hillsong kind of used them like free labor, you know, all these hours of volunteering and. It takes a lot to put on a church, and and it is quite costly. I mean, to have a building, especially in some of these areas where you're going to have a building in the Philadelphia area, you know, like um, Calvary Chapel of Philadelphia is probably one of the biggest churches in our area. Um, you know, if, if you're going to put a, a building and have people go in an area that's well populated, that building's going to be in an area that's worth a lot of money. You're going to have to pay a lot in rent or if you own the building, you know, all these kinds of things. And, and, you know, there are, um, the denominations have things that are set up where they can, you can borrow money from the denomination and do things, you know, that's how we got, um, the building that when I was, when we were at storehouse, that's how they got their building. You know, there was an American, um, I believe it was an American Baptist church that was folding, and they were looking for 
somebody to come in and kind of take over the building. And, and uh, Storehouse was part of the free Methodist denomination. And so, you know, they went and, and they did all this research and did all these things before, um, you know, finally, you know, agreeing on, uh, you know, what the building was worth and what they were going to donate and how, how they would figure all that stuff out. So it is Should've, the problem with churches. And I think you'll find the same thing with medicine is it's a people focused thing, but it's still a business. Yeah. It still has to, in order for it to survive. Should, in order should for a businessman run a church or should a religious person run the church? Should you hire someone with an MBA to run a church? If you don't, here's what I can tell you in my experience in, in, in you know, because uh, being a deacon and on the board and, and as, a, as, a, uh, as a trusted advisor to the pastoral team and, and looking at the books in the way that we did, if you don't have components and people that have some business acumen, or business focus, it's really easy because there are a lot of things. And, and, and seminary teaches these guys not only about how to preach and, and, and build a congregation, but there are programs in there that teach them about stewardship, financial stewardship, and, and things like that. So if a megachurch makes a certain amount of money, yeah. should they then pay taxes? Joel Austin's church should pay taxes. If he's making that much that he's worth $110 million, why are they still tax-free? There's no other place in the world or, or financial situation that runs like a business like that that would still remain tax-free. Yeah, I, I think if you look at how they continue to give back to the community, I bet if you looked at um, you know, things that they put on and ways that they serve their immediate community, I think you would find that they probably reinvest a lot of their uh, tithe and a lot of the money that they get. Now, I would also say that if you're a church that has an excess and, th- and you could put a number on that, you know, maybe it's, you know, um, a percentage and not necessarily a number, but a percentage of your, your monthly, you know, uh, fixed and, and uh, fixed and, and variable costs. And you exceed that number by more than a hundred percent. I don't know if it should be a tax thing because I'm never in, I'm I, I am never in favor of giving more money back to right I'm not I am not somebody who thinks that taxes should even be a thing right I, I hate them yes um, but um, I think there should be something that you should have to do um, to give back to the congregation to the community things like that well. This episode was inspired by two different shows, and I do highly recommend them. So first, the documentary, The Secrets of Hillsong. Yeah. And so I'm going to have you rank some of the celebrities at Hillsong from your favorite to least favorite. Okay. There are so many celebrities. I'm just going to give you three. All right. Are you ready? Okay. Kevin Durant. Yep. Bono. And Justin Bieber. Um, So I think Bono's the GOAT, right? And then I go... uh... Man, I think I'm going to go KD and then Beaver. Okay, okay. Also, the secondary show that I highly recommend that is a humorous take on the megachurch is called The Righteous Gemstones. It is on it's, HBO. And I, I will say, if, if you're a person who's um, a religious person uh, listening to this 
and saying, ooh, the deacon said we should go watch the Righteous Gemstones. I do know that, um, that there would be people in the faith community. Now, I, I think you got to have a sense of humor, and I think that's part. And it stars Danny McBride. You have to I know mean, what's coming. That's John part, Goodman I is, think part of being a good person, uh, a faith who, who really engages others, is having a sense of humor. Um, and there's some, there is some, um, what do you, there's some stuff in there that's not necessarily, it's just there and it's, you think, oh, that's like not even required for it to be funny. It was already funny. But John Goodman, if you can look past that and his wife, it's a great show. Start a church. It becomes a mega church. Yep. A lot of these mega churches have nepotism. They and their bring kids, their children in. That's right. And their children are kind of naughty and ridiculous. Yeah. And including Danny McBride and part of the story from, from at Eastbound least in the and end down. Of, at the end yeah. of my season is one of the grandchildren is frustrated with his father and wants to steal the money from the vault because they make so much money. Yeah. They have a vault of money. That's right. And it is discussing how are we going to rob the church because they are so rich and each one of them has their own homes on this property. The compound. And the excess of money is ridiculous. Today, I recently watched an episode where Danny McBride was told that he can do the main gospel on Sunday for Easter Sunday, which is the biggest day. That's and a big day. Like in these mega churches, in the mega church. It then, through the internet, is seen everywhere. And he's celebrating with his family on his yacht drinking champagne because he's so excited that he's going to get to do the gospel. That's a big day. And yes, yes. But the ridiculousness yeah. of how excited he is. And he really said, we deserve this. It's our belief in God. It's how we really try to spread the word of the Lord is why good things are coming to us. The prosperity gospel as he sits there sipping champagne with his beautiful wife and his family on a yacht like the day before Easter, yeah. which I thought was hilarious. But the main guy is John Goodman. So we are going to play the John Goodman game. I'm going to give you three different times he has been in either uh, TV or film. Okay. And you're going to rank them uh, from uh, favorite to least favorite. Number one, Roseanne. Roseanne's got to be in there. It was a television show. It's a great show. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, I was growing up during Roseanne. What do you mean? Two, Monsters. Monsters, Inc. He's Sully. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, Monsters, Inc. Of course. Yeah. He is I mean, we have children. Yes. I mean, how many times do you watch Monsters, Inc., Monsters University? Yeah. Billions. You know, my favorite part is, Wazowski, I've got my eye on you, Wazowski. And then, uh, last but not least, uh, The Big Lebowski, which I forced you to watch after an episode a long time ago. Yeah. Um, boy, those are three, like, icons. All three in, in their own right. Um, I'm going to say him as Sully's great. Uh, but the longevity of Roseanne is tough to compete with. Um... I'm going to go Roseanne, number one. Okay. And Sully and Then Monsters, I go Sully, then, number two. then Big Lebowski. Although yeah. I like Big Lebowski. Um, yeah, I think those are... Well, How would you rank that? I agree with your decision. Yeah, okay. That was a great decision. Yeah. I actually agree with some of your thoughts uh, today on the megachurch. But what I think the key here in the whole thing behind a megachurch is, is that it is turning... Religion, turning the Bible, turning the Word of God into a business and entertainment 
And it's how do we make uh, Jesus cool again? Listen, it's always been a business. The church, (laughs) the Catholic church has, has made it a business for a very, very, very long time, right? So, you know, we're talking about, these are, these are predominantly Protestant churches we're talking about. Um, but, you know, if you, if you go back early in the Bible and, and look at um, how they tried to turn hope and faith and salvation into a business, you can read about Jesus' uh, angry uh, day at the tabernacle uh, when he came in and flipped tables. And you can read about how the tax collectors came in and tried to, you know, take advantage of people um, to, you know, to tell them that if they didn't pay their taxes, it would affect their salvation. You, it, from the beginning of time, people will manipulate things to try to create favor for themselves. Um, snake oil salesmen, have you ever heard of them? Well, I know people sell supplements, same <laughs> thing. <laughs> right? Same thing. So um, what shouldn't happen is people should not get confused by the fact that we do believe that there is a hope in in Christ and in and a faith in knowing that uh what he did and what God did through his son Jesus is the foundation of everything that we stand for and believe in. Yeah, I love that. I love that. All you need is docking the deacon in the life. <laughs> if you have docking the deacon and you push through, good things will come to you. Holla. Just make sure to tithe. Amen. Hallelujah. We Get need, your flu shot. All of the above. We need a tithing site. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that exists. We yeah. just haven't added it yet. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen. Um, Two things you can count on. The doc is in. And the deacon speaks. Holla. The deacon will be speaking at a mega church. Mega church. That's hey. Right. I want to say uh, thank you to our uh, rapper, franchise, to our producer, Tucker Butler, especially our wives. And I want to thank Carl Lentz uh, for getting in trouble so a great documentary could happen and for looking like J.J. Reddick. And for uh, Justin Bieber getting baptized. Yeah. Peace. Peace. Excellent brain trust to market and brand this. That's set in stone like the Ten Commandments. This show won't be around for infinite years. I think we can all agree on ice cold beers. 100% authentic, you can't fake it. Often imitated, but never duplicated. So knowledgeable, take a lot of facts in. Now I'm coming to close it like a Roldis Chapman.